Hello, I'm Dr. Annaline Weston, one of the Dental Legal Advisors at Dental Protection based in Brisbane. And I'd like to welcome you to the next installment of Risk Bites, a series of podcasts produced exclusively for members of Dental Protection. Risk Bites explores the key dental legal risks and issues affecting dental practitioners across Australia and provides helpful advice and guidance on how to steer well clear of them, leaving you free to provide safe and high quality dental care for your patients. In this edition, How to Leave a Practice, we're going to focus on the difficulties that many people have when it comes time to hang up their drill, whether it be moving on or moving out. And I'd like to introduce my colleague, Dr. Mike Rutherford, who's going to help us explore these issues. So Mike, like every dental practitioner, I am eventually going to leave the practice I'm working in. So how should I prepare for this? Thank you, Annalyn. Um, I feel quite comfortable with this subject. I've left my practice after 29 years recently, and it was a very nice leaving. There was respect on both sides. Uh, my patients were sad to see me go, and I was sad to leave them. Um, and that's how it should be, but unfortunately, it's not the case for everyone. So today, we're going to discuss how to leave a practice, and I'm going to cut straight to the take-home message, which is make sure that you have some arrangement in place when you sign your contract on commencing employment in a practice that details what happens when you leave that practice. If you have missed the boat with this advice and you are already in the practice, I would strongly urge you to take the time to talk to your employer about what arrangements will be made when you do leave. Unfortunately, these things are a lot easier to sort out in the peace and quiet of day-to-day dentistry rather than the heat of the moment when you leave or worse still, after you've left the practice and no longer have direct communication with your patients or good direct contract on a daily basis with the practice. So what do I do then when it actually comes time to leave? Now, of course, there are several reasons why you may leave. And the easiest transition in general is when you leave the practice to retire, as I did, to have extended maternity leave or time for child raising, to undertake postgraduate studies or relocation to another city or country. This is generally easiest because your employer or the practice won't be concerned that you may be setting up in opposition. Also, these situations are generally known in advance and generally people leave on good terms. As a rule of thumb, patients, for the want of a better word, are the property of a practice, which means if you leave, you can't entice or solicit patients to follow you. However, on the other hand, treatment that you provide for that patient is actually still your responsibility. The simplest way of viewing this is that the hands and the mouth own the treatment and own the responsibility should there be complications at a later date. So when we talk about making arrangements for when you are leaving, we're really talking about what happens if some of the treatment that you have provided doesn't last as long as it should, or if a patient has some reason to complain about it, On the other hand, you're only halfway through this treatment. Well, what about my patients? What's going to happen to them? Now, if you are leaving the practice, it is your responsibility to arrange for continuity of care for your patients. If you're halfway through, say, endodontic treatment or crown treatment, generally you can make arrangements with other practitioners within the practice to take over this treatment. Where it becomes difficult, though, is if you provide some form of treatment which is not available or catered for by other practitioners in the practice. And the most common example is general dental orthodontics. 
So if you have patients that are partway through and no other practitioner within the practice provides these services, it is your responsibility to source either another general dentist in the area that provides this treatment or a specialist orthodontist who is prepared to take on the management. If you're leaving and working elsewhere, it is reasonable to try and make arrangements with the practice owner, should they agree, to see those patients in your new location for completion of that specific treatment. However, you could probably understand that practice owners are reticent to allow somebody who has left their practice to continue treating these patients. Who pays, Mike, if some of my treatment needs replacing? By contractual arrangement or by mutual agreement when you leave, it may not be unreasonable to leave a sum of money behind to cater for the individual treatment should problems arise. Now, of course, this depends very much the amount. If you've been there for 18 months and doing routine dentistry, it may be a small sum compared to if you've been there for 20 years and been doing complex prosthodontic treatment. Of course, if something goes wrong, it's going to be more expensive. A practice owner or any dentist working there does not have the right to replace treatment of yours after you leave that they consider unworkable or below standard and simply bill you for that. The practice should advise you of the situation and allow you to fulfil your duty of care for your patient. It is your responsibility to care for the treatment that you have provided, but it is also your responsibility to, in conjunction with the patient, decide how this should be remediated. Often it is easiest if somebody else in the practice can remediate, but it's also not unreasonable if you're working elsewhere close by that you can replace that restoration or replace a crown or at least communicate with your patient to make sure that they are comfortable with whatever arrangements are being considered. It is also not unreasonable or acceptable for you to unilaterally decide that because you are no longer working or that you have relocated, that is actually the practice's responsibility to look after your patient's treatment. What is important when we consider all this is to remember that it is the patient that should be your first priority and that it is for both the dental practitioner moving from the practice but also for the principle of the practice itself. Sometimes, unfortunately, practitioners and practices look at their own financial interest as being paramount, whereas we as professionals should be looking at the best interest of our patients being our first priority. If you put yourself in the position of a patient who, having been told that you have left the practice, is also given unclear advice on who will assist in the event of any dissatisfaction with the treatment received. I can also certainly assure you that should your patient make a complaint to the Dental Board of Australia about being left in, in limbo, the board would certainly see that the patient's interests are primary and are more important than any financial arrangements between you and the practice. This is why arrangements that can be made when there is no emotion involved just before you actually start practicing or while there are no issues involving patients and money at play. It means that you could probably make sure you have an acceptable arrangement in place or in the worst case, elect not to start practicing in that practice until such time as acceptable arrangements are made for when you leave. Most associate dental practitioner contracts have an exclusion period which means that when you leave the practice, you cannot work within a certain kilometre radius of the practice for a certain length of time. These are often not as enforceable as they may seem, but it is not an unreasonable part of the contract.
I don't really want to talk to my old practice, Mike. What should I do? Things can get a little more difficult when you leave the practice and one of the parties, if not both, are unhappy. And this would happen if you, uh, say, dismissed from the practice, believing your work, your attitude or any other aspect of your conduct and performance is not up to scratch. Or alternatively, if you've been dismissed because the practice believes there is insufficient work. The practitioner in this situation would understandably be upset and perhaps not inclined to work closely with the practice in assisting patients in need. On the other hand, you may leave because you are disgruntled with the practice or perhaps because you're going to work down the road or open your own practice. In these situations, the practice or the principal may be aggrieved for the reasons that you are leaving them shorthanded and also possibly suspecting that you may attempt to lure patients away. This also needs goodwill on both sides and unfortunately at times we find that patients are being used almost as weapons to create distrust and problems for one or other party. Occasionally we hear of practices that will not tell patients where the dental practitioner who provided the treatment is and occasionally create some sort of animosity rather than trying to help the patient lay a clear path for them to seek remediation of any complaint they have. Practices can on occasion stir things up to make life difficult for the practitioner who provided the treatment in the first place. And this is very unfortunate because it leaves a patient in a very invidious position and sometimes leads to complaints to APRA. And sometimes quite trivial things that could be dealt with easily, with goodwill, end up being an APRA investigation. On the other hand, sometimes... Practitioners who leave will tell patients or the practice that it is not their responsibility and that they should contact the practice with any problems. And again, that is absolving yourself of your personal responsibility to look after your patients and again, leaving your patient in the lurch. One of the more unfortunate examples of this is when we find or hear of practitioners that either leave on very short notice or are dismissed on very short notice which means that there would be a considerable number of patients who are mid-treatment and particularly with endodontic treatment or crown and bridge work where other practitioners would understandably be a little bit reluctant to take over the work without having provided the initial work and sometimes with orthodontic treatment that has been taken over where the patient is obliged to absorb an increased cost because whoever takes over the treatment wishes to do a thorough exam and make sure they agree with the treatment being provided. Once again, this is creating problems for the patient, when really it is a problem between the practice and the practitioner who is leaving. So, back to the take-home message. Work through the scenarios of you leaving before it happens. Accept that any complaints about treatment that you have provided are your responsibility, regardless of whether you are at the practice or not. Act in your patient's best interests and try to cooperate with the practice in finding an acceptable solution to patient concerns. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. That's incredibly helpful. And thank you to all our members for listening. We do hope that this podcast has been helpful to you, and we look forward to speaking with you again in the future. Goodbye. Goodbye.